The scripture reading this evening on this Ascension Day is the historical account of the Ascension as you find it in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, I'll read the first 11 verses, and it's verses 9 through 11 that are, that's the text. The book of Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven." So far, the reading of the Holy Word of God. So on this Ascension Day evening, we're going to look at the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ, the event, and the benefits of that great event. So let's, let us seek his face in prayer. O oh Lord in heaven, what a great truth it is that you are at the right hand of God that you are directing the affairs of the church and of the nations, and that you have all authority in heaven and on earth, and you called your church to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. O Lord, bless us now this evening. Forgive all of our sins and direct us by your Spirit, and may your Holy Spirit anoint us with your presence. In Jesus' name. Amen. Dear friends in Jesus Christ our Lord, the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ is a very, very important event in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ and in the life of the church. Sadly, it is not recognized or not remembered or not celebrated very much, and that's, that's to be regretted. Maybe it's because the world has never found a, a thing that they could use to proclaim it, like Christmas or Easter. And, and we're reminded of those two great events by the, by the commercial world. 
But the ascension is not really recognized very much. But that doesn't mean it loses its significance. It is exceedingly significant. It's very important that Jesus Christ ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, and he is going to be there until he comes again on the clouds of heaven just as he went. So we are right now in the interim period between Christ's first coming and his second coming. We are in that period of time. And we don't know how long it is. It gives, there are various things in the scripture that say it is a short time. Again and again, we are told in the latter days, uh, Jesus is coming and we are in the latter days now. But we don't know how long that is. We don't know. And, and I guess that's a good thing that we don't know. We are to be ready all the time. And when the Lord calls any one of us in death, we know that that's the second coming of Christ for us. That's the personal second coming of the Lord for us. But the general second coming of Christ is going to be a cataclysmic, cosmic event in which everyone will see him, even those who pierced him. It will be an event such as has never happened before. And that's coming yet. And there are indications in the Bible that various things must happen first. And you know and I know that some of these things have happened and are happening. But the end is not yet. The Lord Jesus and the apostles compare the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ to the expecting of a baby. Now we know that a mother and father have nine months to expect that baby, to prepare for it. And they know pretty well the day or at least the week in which the baby is going to be born. Now the second coming of Christ is compared to that. And the labor pains that a mother has in in preparation for the birth of the child is called by the old English word, travail. And the world, world history, goes into a period of travail prior to the second coming of Christ. And that travail is described in the Bible by wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, earthquakes, floods, fires, All these natural catastrophes are the travail in anticipation of that great event of the birth 
of the new world. The birth, so to speak, in which Jesus Christ will return upon the clouds of heaven. And so the ascension of our Lord Jesus is the beginning of that period in between his first and second coming. The beginning of that is his ascension. And Jesus ascended into heaven. Now I used in this sentence, Jesus ascended into heaven, I'm using an active verb. He ascended. But do you know that in all of the accounts uh, of the ascension of Christ, none of, it, none of the accounts are active in their, in their verb, ascend. It's all passive. He was taken up. He was lifted up. He was received up. Those are all the words that are used by Matthew, Luke, John, in the Acts, and, and, in the, and in the epistles of Peter and Paul, all in the passive sense. He was taken up. He was received up. Why passive? Why passive? Well, I think we have a clue as to why it is in the passive from the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2, and also the writer to the Hebrews in chapter 2, where the book of Hebrews says in chapter 2, where uh, the apostle to the Hebrews says, For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. That our Lord Jesus shared in the flesh and blood, and he himself partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy him who is the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to slavery. For he helps, for it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he is not ashamed to call them his brothers. For our Lord Jesus was received up into heaven that he might destroy the one who had the power of death that is the devil. And then in Philippians, we read that Jesus was found in the human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now the word therefore is used by Paul to introduce that. Therefore God highly exalted him. What's the word therefore, therefore? In the couple of verses prior to that, it describes Jesus himself doing a, making a decision. Jesus is the one who emptied himself. 
He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in human likeness and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to death. That was Jesus' action. Then we read, therefore, God has highly exalted him. Now we have the action of the Father. Therefore, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. That is why it's always in the passive, because it's the Father that is doing that. The Father lifted Jesus up. The Father received him into glory. The Father opened the gates of heaven for his Son to enter. Why? Because the Son was faithful even unto death, the death of the cross. As Jesus said in that beautiful high priestly prayer of John 17, Jesus said, Father, I have finished the work that you've called me to do. I finished that. And now give unto me the glory that I had with you before the world was. And so the Father does that. The Father lifted Jesus up. He brought him into glory. Jesus received that great honor because he was obedient to the Father's will, to the very letter. And God exalted him to the highest place. And God gave him the name. Those are the two things that the Father did. The Father exalted him to the highest place. Higher than any, anyone. Higher than all authority, power, dominion that is named. Jesus has a place higher than all of that. The Father bestowed on him that super highest place. Second, God gave him a name. The name. And the name of Jesus has in it power. Power of God is in the name of Jesus. That's why the Apostle Paul could say, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That name is powerful. The Old Testament already anticipated that when David was fighting against Goliath, and Goliath mocked him. And who are you, you, you little runt? Running, coming after me, I am able to tear your body apart and give it to the birds. And David, the young man, said to that huge Goliath, nine foot tall, he said, You come to me with, with sword and spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel, whom you have defied. And you remember how David put a stone in the sling and, and slung it and hit the, the, the giant in the head and, and killed the giant. He came in the name. That was an Old Testament prophecy of the power of the name of the Lord. And then, on the day after Pentecost, or soon after Pentecost, Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are going up to the temple to pray. And there on the temple steps is a poor beggar. 
Not only was he a beggar, he was lame from his youth up, from his birth. He was lame. And so his family probably put him on the temple steps because naturally people going into the temple are good people. They're generous people. And so if you want to have something, you go to where the generous people are. So his relatives put him on the temple steps. So Peter and John come. And he sees these two men come. And he thinks, you know, here's something, here's here's a couple of men that are going to have a little pity on me and they'll help me. So he extended his hands. You can just see it. This poor man just extending his hands to these two men. And Peter says to him, and they stop. They stop on the steps. And they look at him. And then Peter says, and, and you can just think in this man's mind, he's thinking, boy, this looks good to me. He stopped. He's going to help me. They're going to help me. So Peter says, silver and gold have I none. The man must have thought, oh no, here's, uh, here's a big disappointment. But, says Peter, but what I have I will give you. In the name, there you have it. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, rise and walk. And immediately, that man who had been lame from birth, his legs became strong, his back became strong, and he immediately was healed. And he got up, and he joined them going into the temple to praise the Lord. And when Peter and John were apprehended for doing this and for causing an uproar because a lot of people came together and were amazed at what had happened, Peter said to the leaders of the Jews, we're arrested for doing a good thing for a poor lame lame beggar. Is Is that the situation? That you are arresting us for doing this? How did we break any law? We're just doing a good thing to a poor man. And then Peter said this, And we want you to know this, and the whole house of Israel to know it, that is in the name of Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, and who is now at God's right hand, it is in his name that this poor man stands whole before you. And then Peter goes on and says, There is no other name. Give it among men whereby we may be saved in that name of Jesus. That is what God gave him. He elevated him to the highest place, And he gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, you know that name. And we sing about it. Take the name of Jesus with you. Child of sorrow and of woe, it will joy and comfort give you 
Take it then where you go. Take that name with you. Take the name of Jesus ever as protection everywhere. If temptations round you gather, breathe that holy name in prayer. The name of Jesus is a high tower. It's a protection. He envelops us with His presence and power and spirit. As the mountains are around Jerusalem, says the psalmist, so the Lord is around His people. We don't ever have to worry. He is with us. In the midst of temptation, He will help you breathe that holy name in prayer. At the name of Jesus bowing, when in heaven we shall meet, King of kings will gladly crown Him when our journey is complete. Precious name. Oh, how sweet hope of earth and joy of heaven. That's the name of Jesus. That's the name He was given. That's why Paul could say in Romans 10, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That name of the Lord is our, is our secret weapon against evil, sin, darkness, anything that would threaten us. It's a weapon. That name of Jesus is a great comfort. He is with us always. Even at the point of death, when we breathe our last, take that name of Jesus with you. He will usher you into His very presence with exceeding joy. And He will say, this is my child. This is my child. So His name is highly, his, He is highly exalted and given the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know what Philippians also says? That those knees that will bow are not only the knees of those who are, who are Christians. Yes, they will. But even, even the enemy will. Listen. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. What's under the earth? Hell. Hell. Will those in hell recognize at that great day of all days that Jesus Christ is Lord? Yes, they will. Everyone will confess. Even like between their teeth. They don't love Him. They hate Him. But they will have to admit that Jesus Christ is Lord. He has received the greatest honor, glory, and power. That's what happened at the, at the ascension. Jesus Christ was elevated to and given the place at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Can you imagine the experience of God's people who have, who have passed on? Some of your relatives and mine, friends, people from our church, people who sat in the very pews that you're sitting, 
They have, they have passed away. We say they've passed away. Yes, that's true. But they have been translated. The psalmist in Psalm 17, When I in righteousness at last thy glorious face shall see, and all this weary night is past, and I awake with thee, to view the glories that abide, then will I be satisfied. Can you imagine the experience of those who have died in the Lord at the moment of their death that they now see Jesus at the right hand of God with all glory, power, and honor and all the angels and all the saints are worshiping Him. That's what we look forward to. That's why Ascension Day is so special. It's special for Jesus because it was His victory. But it's special for us, for the church of Jesus Christ because that's our destiny. We have been born again unto a living hope and an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade reserved in heaven for us. It's reserved in heaven for us. And we are guarded in our earthly way through faith, guarded by the Holy Spirit, guarded by the name of Jesus, so that we will see Him face to face and tell the story saved by grace. Do you know this Savior? Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you know that He came for you, that He took your sin upon Himself and He paid for it? And He went through so much agony as we sing, What Thou, my Lord, hast suffered was all for sinners' gain. Mine, mine was the transgression, but Thine the deadly pain. Oh, make me Thine forever. And should I fainting be, Lord, let me never, never outlive my love for Thee. Isn't that right? This God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide to the very end. He will never, never forsake us. In the Old Testament, the prophets said to, I, said to the people of Israel, A mother may... Forsake her, her infant-sucking child, but I will never forsake you. Never. Heaven and earth may pass away, but my word will never pass away. Isn't that marvelous? This is what, we're, this is what the church is all about. This is what the gospel is all about. And to know Christ is the highest good. There is no other name. Oh, may Jesus Christ live always in your heart and that we may truly, truly be faithful to Him. May the Lord bless you. May you have a blessed day today as we think about the victorious Savior. We're on the winning side. We are on the winning side. Jesus Christ has won the battle.
We sang that song the other night in song service. Sound the battle cry, see the foe is nigh, raise your standard high for the Lord. He won the battle. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And everyone said, Lord, bless this word on our hearts this evening. We thank you, O Lord, for the glorious ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. Dear Father, help us to love him more and more. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art thou. If ever I'd love thee, my Jesus, tis now. Hear us, Lord, bless us this night. In Jesus' name, amen.